Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Don't know where to start really, do you? Happy Monday morning to you. How's it all going? Boris Johnson appears to have outdone himself this weekend and scared not only half the population of his own country, but also most of Europe and quite a large part of the rest of the world as well. Do you think he woke up this morning with his head in his hands? He probably does that most mornings, to be honest. Let's just take stock. Lorries from Britain are not being allowed into France. Channel ferries have been shut down. The Eurostar isn't running and there's a queue forming with thousands of lorries in it all the way up the M20 which is also shut. A list of countries as long as your arm have banned travel from Britain, including, bizarrely, Colombia, Finland, Chile, Morocco, Argentina, Ireland, El Salvador, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Canada, Turkey, Bulgaria, Lithuania, Estonia, Portugal, Germany, Austria, Italy, Belgium, Denmark and the Netherlands. And it's only just after 10 in the morning, right? So that list is more than likely to grow while the show is actually on. And all because the Prime Minister and his advisers, which now include the hapless, dreaded Professor Neil Ferguson once again, wanted to frighten everyone into cancelling Christmas. Well, congratulations, Boris. Could this be the most spectacular political own goal in the history of the world? We'll be asking Reform UK leader uh, Nigel Farage for his verdict, and I'm pretty sure I know what it's going to be. 0344 is the number. We were supposed to be discussing the Brexit deal that everyone thought would be done over the weekend, but guess what? They're still talking. Nobody <laughs> knows why. They might as well be in the back of a lorry somewhere on the M20, might they? Uh, coming up a bit later on, we'll be having our last chat of the year with Mail on Sunday columnist Peter Hitchens. The year is apparently ending in a much worse way than it started, and he's suggesting we all have a bit of an angry Christmas. As ever, of course, we want to hear from you. Christmas was effectively cancelled on Saturday, but have you cancelled yours? 0344 499 1000. Of course, in the middle of all this, Captain Hindsight is playing an absolute blinder. That's right. Never mind the new variant strain, never mind Tier 4, never mind a country in crisis. Guess what Sir Keir Starmer's talking about? Wait for it. Devolution. <laughs> Marvellous, isn't it? Great timing. Well done, Sir Keir. Coming up, we're also checking in with Donald McLeod in Scotland, Lisa Francesca Nand on your travel rights, and Sebastian Gorka from Washington on the latest from the Trump White House. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, without further ado, because there's much to talk about, let us go straight to Mr Nigel Farage, leader of the Reform UK Party, former leader, of course, of the Brexit Party. Nigel, a very good morning to you. Well, morning. I won't say good. No. I mean, you can't really make this stuff up, can you? Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, having told us that it would be inhuman to cancel Christmas, um, suddenly he's obviously been scared by the scientists. And without really providing us uh, with any proper data or reason, they've just cancelled Christmas. I mean, it is truly extraordinary. And tell you what, Mike, I I just can't get my head around. And that is YouGov. Mm. Now, are they acting as an arm of government or as an independent pollster? They tell us that 74% of the country support 
the announcements Boris Johnson made. Let me tell you, I couldn't find that 74% this morning when I was out shopping. Well, nobody's ever met anyone either that I know of who's ever been uh, polled by YouGov. I don't know anyone who's ever been polled by YouGov, and you probably don't either. Well, maybe. I mean, look, maybe the figure is higher than you and I think it should be, and that's simply because of fear. You know, the mutant strain. It's, yeah. it's like out of a sci-fi film. It's sort of Doctor Who as a kid, isn't it? Hiding behind a settee. I mean, and, and clearly, of course, the rest of Europe and the rest of the world think that as well. Yeah. So, I, you know, I accept that there are a lot of people who've been terrified by the government all the way through. Uh, but I just cannot believe that fewer than 20% of us object to what he's done. I no. just don't believe it. No, I don't believe it either. Also, it was only this weekend, was it not, that we learned of this new organisation called NerveTag, which apparently stands for the New and Emerging Respiratory Virus Threats Advisory Group, right? Now, guess who is on that? Professor Neil Ferguson. Yes. I know. The, the very same man who supposedly resigned from the government uh, when he was caught with his trousers down uh, and his German mistress, right? Now, this guy uh, is apparently responsible for convincing Boris once again that this is a massive threat that needs to be fought. And there's no evidence for it. I'm looking at a piece by uh, David Rose in the Daily Mail today uh, in which the minutes of the meeting that was had with the Prime Minister and this nerve tag crowd was all about modelling again. It wasn't about actual evidence. There is no evidence to produce 70% more infections. Well, we know when the, when the November lockdown came that it was done on dodgy data. Do you right. remember we found out afterwards that those graphs that we were being shown by Patrick Vallance were nonsense? Mm. I tell you what, all I will say is this. If it turns out that Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock, and I know it's supposed to be the season of goodwill to all men, but it doesn't extend to Hancock no. as far as I'm concerned. No. But if it turns out they've cancelled Christmas on dodgy data, I don't think his reputation as Prime Minister will ever recover. I think he's already damaged below the waterline, Nigel. To me, uh, this is a guy who won't see out 2021 because the Conservative Party is literally leaking um, people who voted for them all their lives constantly. Yeah. I get tweets every single day from people saying, I voted Tory all my life, never again. Yeah, the level of disappointment is quite extraordinary. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I've been out this morning shopping, Mike, and doing my little sort of focus group. Yes. Uh, and I met several people this morning um, in between punching each other for avocados. Um, I mean, you'd have thought, you, you literally would have thought we, we'd have the sort of four-minute nuclear warning the way yeah. some shoppers are behaving. But, uh, you know, just voluntarily this morning, two or three people in the aisles coming up saying, I voted for Boris, I believed in him, I don't believe in him anymore. So, yeah, it is happening out there. Well, maybe we should ask people, actually, if they have uh, indeed been polled by YouGov and they do think that this lockdown is great, that they should call us because we'd love to hear from them. And you know the number. We'll give it to you in a little moment. But, Nigel, you know, you and I were thinking this morning that we might have been talking about a Brexit deal, right? Yeah. But, but instead, you know, incredibly, uh, the Ramonas must be absolutely laughing their socks off because we've got sort of gridlock in the channel um, and we haven't even uh, managed to get a, a, a no-deal Brexit yet. Well, gridlock in Kent is very common. Operation Stack's been around for 10 years. Every time there's a big storm in the channel, we get gridlock. Mm. Every time the French fishermen protest, we get gridlock. Whenever there's a technical problem in Eurotunnel, we get gridlock. So we are used to that. Um, you know, we, I mean, this, this is nothing new. Now, if you remember, going back a few months, you know, the president of the Port of Calais said, provided people, whatever new system we have, provided people file a return online before they arrive at the port there is no need for any extra delays whatsoever and the same applies on our side where we're going to gently phase things in so there's no need actually for any disruption 
whatsoever caused by Brexit. But just look at the behaviour over the weekend. Mm. To begin with, Michel Barnier basically saying, do what we want on fishing or we'll put tariffs on you. And then with almost with great glee, Emmanuel Macron closing off France to us, not just for people, but for freight as well. Mm. When are we going to wake up to the fact these people don't actually like us very much? No. They're jealous of our language, jealous of our city of London, jealous of our relationship with America, the wider world through the Commonwealth. Um, and, and this has been now, you know, four and a half years for them, in a sense, to get their own back on us for daring to leave their political union. And so few people, so few people running this country seem to understand. We've been taken for a ride by European institutions for 50 years. They're still doing it. And if ever there was a moment when Boris Johnson could say, look, go to hell, we will not be talked to or treated like this. Do you know something? Even though he's cancelled Christmas, people would cheer loudly. Yes. We've had enough of being talked down to. We've had enough of being bullied by EU officials. This, I mean, if ever there was a moment to make a clean break, it is now. Well, quite, because there's no reason not to do it now, because, you know, things can't really get any worse than they are today. And I mean, as you're quite right to say, they didn't have to close the ports at all. They didn't have to do any of that. However, he did kind of bring it partially on himself. But I think I said this to you last time we spoke, Nigel, that if he gets Brexit sorted out, he can rescue his political reputation. But he doesn't seem to have a, a, a sort of a bone in his body, which is made of anything other than jelly, because every time anybody stands up to him, he just caves in. Well, what we've seen again and again and again, you know, are U-turns. I mean, you know, Prime Minister, there's a U-turn more than any other in history, including, you know, within 72 hours on it would be inhuman to cancel Christmas to cancelling. Mm. All the mood music on Brexit for the last few weeks has been bad. You know, we've made concession after concession. We've accepted European human rights. We're going to accept the continuance of the European arrest warrant. Um, and it goes on and on. But at this late stage... You know, rather than caving in to what they want on the level playing field. I mean, we even hear, we even hear that on defence procurement, we've agreed with Monsieur Barnier to keep that open to French and German mm. companies. So everything's, you know, the, the way's been paved for a massive climb down. But I just, a little bit of me says they've behaved so badly in the last two or three days that maybe, just maybe, the Prime Minister will find the courage to tell them where to go. Because that's what it's come to. Absolutely you know, right. And we're always appeasing them. We're always being nice to them. They're always being vile to us. Why should we trust them anyway on state aid rules? Why should they have a sword of Damocles over us for years to come? Yeah. That if we do things they don't like, they'll slap tariffs on. When we know the French government will bail out Renault or whoever else it may be. Exactly right. And also what you've said over the past few weeks, Nigel, uh, has been very consistent, that you, you are concerned about uh, the caving in. And also, as I've always said about the European Union, you know, there's no guarantee that they stand still. You know, if we are still going to be in league with them in some way, shape or form, they will move the goalposts whenever they feel like it. Well, of course, and it gives them the upper hand going on from here. And that's the point about this relationship. No, look, you know, I, of course, always thought that a simple Canada free trade deal was the right way forward. And Boris Johnson now says he wants that. But if he wanted that, why the hell did he sign, you know, that new European treaty last year? Mm. You know, actions and words are very different things. And what you've got here is a prime minister and a cabinet 
that on every issue from Brexit to COVID testing to vaccinations, massively overpromise and underdeliver. And they seem to think they can get away with it. Well, not forever. Well, exactly. And also now the words that Boris was using last week about, you know, our friends in uh, Europe and our friends in the EU, he's starting to look a bit like he's been humiliated by our friends in the EU who are basically sticking two fingers up to him. Yeah, they will throw sand in our eyes at any chance they get. Now, you know, what I've said this over the years, I'm told, oh, Nigel, you're being small minded. Europe's this wonderful, great, big, happy club. But we're the ones that get taken for a ride. We have been for half a century. It's time it ended. And I, as I say, all the mood music has been bad up until now. But just maybe, just maybe over the course of today or tomorrow, maybe the prime minister will realise the only way he can save his own skin is to say and address the nation and say we're leaving with no deal because we're, we're actually working here with unreasonable people that don't like us. Yes. I, honestly, honestly, streets would come out and bang pots and pans cheering. They really would. <laughs> I know. I mean, listen, you know things are bad when you start agreeing with David Meller. He was on with Mark Dolan this morning uh, and was calling this one of the biggest political own goals of all time. And I think it has proved to be. I mean, we can't go to El Salvador, right, or Chile. You know, I wasn't planning to go there for Christmas, but when you start getting banned from places like El Salvador and Chile, you start wondering what the hell is going on. Oh, the mutant strain. Yeah. And Hancock telling us there's worse yet to come. We could be locked down till Easter. Well, I shall spend Christmas preparing for tier five, I suppose, or tier six. Yeah. Or, I mean, just where is this going? I know. And, and how can this be done? It how really... can this be done without parliamentary debate and scrutiny? Mm. What kind of country are we? Parliament should be Parliament should be meeting this afternoon, and backbenchers get him a chance to ask the question. Show us the evidence. Yes. Show us the data. And then Parliament can have a vote on whether they approve what the Prime Minister has done. And I think it's sort of rule by diktat, rule by a Prime Minister, a narrow group of ministers, and Professor Niall Ferguson. This simply isn't good enough. No, it really isn't. And guess what? When Ferguson was looking over the whole CJD scenario, do you remember what happened when somehow it was worked out that his overestimates about how many British people might die... They found a new variant of that as well. Now, call me old fashioned, but, you know, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this guy uh, is a nonsense. He's, he's, he's actually dangerous. I don't think we should be employing him anywhere near the government. No, it's amazing that he's back, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but that's the way it works in modern career politics. Um, and, 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 and whether it's politics or sections of the media or the civil service or the quangos, you know, they're all interchangeable, these people. Mm. They're all the same yeah. group. Um, and, and and I nobody ever gets sacked for long, do they? But, they really you know, they get don't. Sacked, they resign and they're back within six months or a year or whatever it is. Um, and this is this is not a different Conservative Party, is it? Because they might have taken on the Brexit mantra, but in every other regard, it looks like as big a chumocracy as those years of Cameron mm. and Osborne. Yeah. There's, there's been no fundamental change or reform within the Conservative Party whatsoever, and it's desperately needed. It really is. Nigel, great to talk to you. Finally, um, just finally, where are the voices of of your type in the Cabinet, the people who should be saying to Boris Johnson, just get this Brexit deal done, do it? Where are they? They're on the back benches, and there are people on the back benches with real talent. You know, I think people like Ian Duncan Smith, David Davis, yeah. experienced people who did things in life before going into politics 
And why aren't they in the cabinet? Well, it's quite simple, isn't it? The strategy from the start was to make sure the cabinet was filled up with yes men. The cabinet was filled up with Oxbridge careerists who frankly care more about their own advancement, both politically and socially, than they actually do about political principles. And that's what we've got. And I, I mean, frankly, you watch these people on television, the Alok Sharmas, the Robert Jenricks, mm. the Matt Hancocks, don't get me started. <laughs> I mean, have we ever, ever had lower grade people making big decisions that affect our lives? I don't think so. I don't either. Well, all I can say, Nigel, is have a great Christmas. Not a little one. Uh, have as great a Christmas as you can. Uh, and we shall see you uh, in the new year. Yeah, Mike, thank you. And, and to all of your listeners. Thank you very much indeed. Nigel Farage, leader of the Reform UK Party. He says that just get Brexit done could solve a lot of problems for Boris Johnson. He also says he doesn't believe the YouGov numbers. And I don't believe the YouGov numbers either. So maybe you could prove me wrong. Maybe you're one of those people who does want the lockdown to get even harder. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Boris Johnson has succeeded in frightening not just half the population of his own country, but most of the rest of the world as well. Well done, Boris. Absolutely unbelievable. Meanwhile, uh, we're still waiting to find out what we're doing with the European Union. Let's talk to Sir John Redwood, uh, who is here with us, Conservative MP, of course, for Wokingham. Uh, Sir John, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I mean, I started the show this morning uh, with slight notes of incredulity, really, because you can't quite imagine um, what is going on. You cannot. I didn't think it could get any worse when I left this building on Friday. Um, and then what's, what ha what's subsequently happened over the course of the weekend just beggars belief, doesn't it? It is a very difficult turn of events, that's for sure. And on Friday afternoon, I was just beginning to think of my Christmas and putting a few decorations mm. on the tree and so forth. And then my Twitter feed and email box went crazy. And I thought, oh, I better watch this news conference. Yeah. And we then discovered that UK scientists who are so good at these sort of things had done more research and from September onwards had been tracking what they say is a, a more infectious version of CV-19. And they chose Friday, just before Christmas, to announce this to the cabinet and the world. Mm. Um, and it is very worrying because uh, it's very likely, apparently, that this virus is in places other than the UK. It's just that we're better at seeing it and identifying it. And now the UK is on the wrong end of international repercussions with a number of countries cancelling flights and getting very concerned. Yes, but do you have any confidence in these scientists? Because let's not forget one of them is Neil Ferguson, who seems to be back uh, in this organisation, which we are now talking to, uh, which is different from SAGE. Um, this is a guy who resigned from the government before. How is he back in Downing Street? Well, I'd be critical of their uh, forecasts and some of their number work of the kind I can understand. Um, I assume their medical science is very good. I mean, I'm full of admiration for them finding some treatments like the steroid that seems to be quite beneficial in a number of cases, and they obviously got a lot of knowledge about the different strains of this virus now, which has all had to be discovered in, in a few months. So that's all admirable. But what we need to make sure is that when they then put it into context and, and start moving from just defining the science to saying what you have to do about it, we, we take proportionate and sensible action. 
Yes, but the problem, uh, John, is that some of the advice that is being given to this government is not being given to them by medical doctors, by scientists who are uh, epidemiologists necessarily. It's been given to them by an awful lot of um, behavioural scientists. And I don't know about you, but I don't really put much faith in behavioural science in terms of making people behave in a certain way in order to achieve a certain result. And I think it's almost always been overblown. Well, I've made a number of criticisms, uh, written them down, gone on radio to discuss them. And I think there have been some false forecasts and unduly alarming uh, ideas put forward by some of these people in the past, Mm. which which haven't been helpful. I've also always said that uh, if we're going to hear in public the views of the, the scientists advising the government, I think we should also hear in public the views of the Uh, economists and business advisors that the government pays for, because I think you need a balance in the discussion, uh, because what the government ministers have to do is they have to come to very difficult judgments about how many good things can they do to curb spread of the disease and curb the death rate uh, without writing off livelihoods and and too many businesses in the country. It has to be a balance, and we never hear the balance side of it. We only hear presentations from government advisors urging more lockdown. Yes. And the problem is, is Matt Hancock seems to love them. You know, he's talking about keeping tier four, which I believe you're now in in Wokingham as well, until yes. Easter. You know, that means nobody in tier four can make any money. Now, I haven't seen uh, what plans there are for compensating people. I know plenty of restaurant owners and pub owners who were looking forward to making some money in the run up to Christmas this week, uh, who have now been completely and utterly denied that right, because I believe it is a right to be able to do business in a, in a free country. You know, we are being treated like idiots here. Well, I've, I've been arguing two cases at the same time, as you, as you will know. Yeah. Both that if they're going to do this kind of thing, they've got to be much more generous in the compensation. And we need a way out of this as quickly as possible. Mm. Because whilst you can compensate quite a lot of businesses and they will return as long as you've paid them enough compensation, there'll be quite a lot of businesses uh, run by people who are closer to retirement age or by people whose businesses were already in a bit of trouble who just say... I can't be bothered anymore. I can't be doing this. And we're going to lose quite a lot of capacity, even if there is some subsidy. So I find myself pressing hard on both these cases. And I'm one of the MPs who said we ought to be in Parliament today, hammering this out. Yes, and why is that not the case? it's very frustrating that we're not, you know. And can that only be done, can it only be recalled by the Prime Minister? Can somebody else not order it to be done? Yeah, the government has got to ask the Speaker. Um, and they obviously don't want to. I guess if all the opposition parties ganged up and said they wanted it, that might change the, the mood, but they don't seem to want to go back either. Well, Keir Starmer seems to think it's more important to launch his new plan for devolution today of all days, which seems a rather bizarre choice, I must say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to be party political particularly, but I, I do think at a time when many people do think Parliament ought to be discussing, it would be jolly helpful if the opposition parties said they'd like to be back in Parliament. Right, exactly. Particularly since it can all be done remotely. It's not as if you're calling for loads of people to leave their constituencies and travel. You don't have to do that anymore. Well, no, indeed. I mean, they could make all of us do it remotely if they wanted to. I'd rather have a remote Parliament than no Parliament, because I do think this government needs to listen to a, a wide range of opinion. It's got its own experts and expertise inside government. But I think we both need to channel some more alternative scientific and medical expertise into the debate, those who are skilled on that, and those of us who know a bit more about economies and businesses ought to be free to be able to put Mm. the 
the business and economic case. No, absolutely so that we right. can either end up with more compensation and or uh, with a way out of this, because I think it's the lack of the way out that's mm. so particularly worrying people, that Matt Hancock saying it might go on till the spring. Well, how many of these businesses are going to be able to survive right through to the spring mm. if they're either closed down completely or they can only handle about a third of their normal volume? Well, exactly right. And that's why I get particularly annoyed when I see these scientists and their uh, uh, their opinions being taken at their word as if they're facts, because we've seen now uh, this morning uh, the minutes of the meeting uh, that was held between Nerve Tag uh, and the uh, Downing Street team. And there is no yeah. actual hard evidence whatsoever that proves that this uh, new variant uh, transmits any faster than the old variant, right? And so we are basically working again on these models that are made by people like Sir, uh, Professor Neil Ferguson down at Imperial College, uh, and it's a prediction. It is not a fact. Well, that's right. And, I mean, the good news in, in their predictions is that they say that the vaccine will still work against this different strain uh, and that it isn't going to give you a worse attack of the disease. They just think it, it, it spreads more quickly, right. which may or may not be true. Uh, but it then uh, raises the question of why do they need to highlight this so publicly for the whole world mm. and then get us picked on as if this is something uniquely difficult? Well, I think I can when give the, you an answer. Thing, I can give, this I, thing may already be out there in other countries. Yeah. It's just that they haven't seen it. Well, exactly. I mean, here's, the, here's my theory, for what it's worth. Um, they wanted to make sure that people cancelled their own Christmas arrangements because they were worried that too many people having too much fun at Christmas was going to be a bad thing and the virus would spread more because they got scared into that by the scientists who had watched what happened in America in Thanksgiving. And you know very well that America at Thanksgiving is a much busier and more crazy scene than anything that happens at Christmas in this country. People travel hundreds hundreds and thousands of miles in America yeah. at Thanksgiving. That's not really yeah. what happens here. But instead of just frightening the, the, the population of this country, they appear to have frightened every government of every country in the world. Yeah, that's the danger. And also you, you get um, foreseeable consequences by taking these decisions because I, I saw those pictures on television of the London station. Yes, King's Cross. Yeah. On the, la the last evening of freedom. Mm. And you get exactly what you don't want. You have all sorts of people congregating in order to try and get Quite. on trains and break down the social distancing mm. rules. So. so, so it's counterproductive. Let me let me ask you one final question, John. Um, as far as the EU talks are concerned, what's the point of continuing with them? I can see no point whatsoever. I'm urging the government to say it's all over. They've tried for four and a half years, successive governments. The EU doesn't want to offer us a great deal. Um, a no deal is considerably better than anything the EU has offered us, so let's just get on with it. Mm. And, and we now see that our ports and our supply lines can be deeply disrupted while we're in the single market, right. uh, as they are today again by French action, just as they have been by strikes on the continent on many occasions in the past. Mm. I don't believe no deal can be worse than this. I think it can be better. Yeah, I think most people who, with any uh, degree of common sense would absolutely agree with you. Well, so, John, uh, hopefully you can have a reasonable Christmas. Uh, so I shall wish you a good one. Uh, and we shall speak in the new year. Twice over. I had plan A and plan B, and they're both now illegal, so I won't be doing them. Oh, goodness. That's <laughs> dreadful, isn't it? Well, listen, have, have, as much, have as much fun I as you can. Cook my own bit of, bit of food and uh, enjoy my warm house. Yeah. Very good. So, John, thank you very much indeed. So, John Redwood. You see, there are people out there who are now bereft, 
who are now incapable. I mean, I know people who are not going to see their parents for Christmas because they're too far away uh, or because they're in tier what tier four and the parents are in a separate tier which they can't travel to. I mean, it's absolute nonsense. And what's really annoying me is that this bozo, Neil Ferguson, is back, right? This is the same guy who said 100,000 people would die of CJD. The same guy who managed to get all the cows in this country slaughtered because of mad cow disease. The same guy who said that half a million people would die at the start of this year from this COVID pandemic. The same guy who got caught out because he broke his own rules, the ones that he set for everybody else. He was known as Professor Lockdown until he was discovered to have twice broken his own rules by having a German woman who happens to be married to somebody else, which is of no consequence, really, uh, round to his place uh, for what could only be described uh, as a bit of horizontal refreshment, right? Now, it turns out that he's back in after resigning from the government, from SAGE, and going back to Imperial College. He's now back at something called Nerve Tag, right? where he's telling the government once more that they need to lock everything down. It's absolutely and utterly ridiculous, isn't it? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, you have to say that uh, even for the hapless Boris Johnson, the last few days really have been uh, gold star level plankery. You know, the fact that he's now come out with this variant, which turns out to be yet another projection by the hapless uh, Neil Ferguson, who was supposed to have resigned from the government after the last time he broke his own rules. Um, he's now back in, apparently, with something called nerve tag. Let's talk to Peter Hitchens and make some sense of it all. Peter, very good morning to you. Morning. Do you think there are enough blanks in this government to make a scaffold? Uh, probably, but it would probably collapse as soon as you try to nail it together because not one of them seems to have any kind of backbone of any kind, or any spine of any kind. How the spine hell does how the hell does pack. yeah how the hell does Neil Ferguson find his way back in after having resigned? It's an interesting question, which I cannot actually answer. I, it, it's impossible, I think, for any sane, rational, or informed person to offer any other analysis of this government than it needs to be taken away. Yeah. Uh, uh, increasingly, uh, urgently, by men in white coats. It, it, they have lost all sense of, uh, of, of direction of understanding what they're doing. They deliberately, again, resorted to the spreading fear on Saturday, and they managed to spread fear beyond our shores into many, many other countries. And they, of course, didn't intend to do that. It's one of those great unintended consequences. But if you play with fire... Uh, don't be surprised if you burn your own house down. And the damage this has done, even if the countries involved eventually see sense and say, well, actually, uh, we didn't really need to do that. The damage done uh, to the value of the currency, to our standing in the world is permanent. Yes. And it's and, and we will all have to live with it. And it's just an illustration of how completely unfit for their task these people are. And I remember also the other really tricky thing about this is that it was it was announced, I think, it's impossible to prove this was deliberate, but it's very hard to believe that it wasn't. It was announced to make sure that it took place after Parliament had broken up for Christmas. And I think that's particularly disgraceful. And if yeah. you remember all the great fuss that was made about uh, Johnson proroguing Parliament mm. uh, a couple of years ago, uh, this is far, far worse. 
in my view, than that. Because here we, here we have a government which is acting in an extra-parliamentary way, doing things it, it, it oughtn't to do, mm. for which there is no real justification, which, if examined, collapsed into a sort of mist of dissolved blancmange, they don't make sense. And if you read uh, Dr. John Lee in the Daily Mail this morning, an extremely good and acute article, that's not he knows what he's talking about, this whole business about the teenage mutant ninja virus is, is completely confected. Mm. Uh, there is, they, they, if, if they'd been questioned by any competent journalists on, on Saturday, uh, then it seems to me that they, they would have come under considerable strain because they don't actually have the knowledge they claim to have. No. And, uh, also, thing, and also this nerve tag not, operation, this nerve tag operation nerve is, tag. Yes, is what a great name. I know it's like something out of the James Bond film, isn't it? But they're but they're, they're riddled not just with um, so-called scientists, they're riddled with behavioural scientists. And the idea that somehow we are being taught all this and lectured at by these incredibly brilliant, you know, scientific brains is nonsense. Half of them are psychologists. Well, what they are experts at is hidden persuasion yeah. and, and frightening people. And I've many times pointed out, and it's still the, the pinned tweet on my Twitter account, the extraordinary words in the SAGE document uh, back in, uh, in, in, in March saying we need to frighten people more. And they have absolutely succeeded. If there's one thing this government has done, it's up the production of fear to unbelievably high levels. We lead the world in the production of fear. And, and fear, of course, makes people behave irrationally and, and convinces them that they have to do things which they would never previously have done. And on and on and on it goes. And when I say an angry Christmas, I mean this. Look, here's a comparison. I, you probably know I'm a cyclist and I've, I've been riding a bike in London for 40 years. Yes. And I have some sympathy with, with sensible provisions, cycle lanes, being able to ride in some of the royal parts, if you take care of things like that. But I'm not, I wasn't particularly impressed by the sudden outbreak of plastic poles and a new extra-wide cycle lanes which infested the, the, the city a, a mm. few weeks ago. An interesting thing, they were really unpopular. And they were unpopular with, uh, with normal people and they were unpopular with major celebrities. And do you know what I've noticed this morning? They've almost all gone. Yes. No, that's absolutely because right. People got, because people got angry. Mm. Now, I, I don't blame them for getting angry about that, but it's nothing like as serious as the robbery of personal freedom, the destruction of the economy, the wrecking of the National Health Service, the, the, the abandoning of thousands of people to needless deaths from cancer, heart disease and the rest, and the increasing isolation of the old and, of course, the growth in mental illness, which will follow from this. It's nothing like as serious as that. Mm. Everybody got angry about a few plastic poles in the road. Why can't they get angry about the destruction of civil society? Get angry, because if you don't get angry, it will never go away. People now say it'll go on till May, and I believe uh, almost certainly this Tier 4 will be extended to most of the rest of the country, certainly by the end right. of January, sooner. Uh, almost certainly a tier five will be invented after that. With all kinds, of, they'll, they'll probably try and make us wear muzzles in the street and confine us to to, to our to our homes even more rigorously than they did last uh, last last March. All this is coming. If you don't get angry, you'll never get out of it. Because even if this virus, such as it is, ever vanishes. Then another one will come along, mm. which will give them a pretext to do exactly the same thing. If you don't get angry, you are condemned to this for life. And so are your children. It will go on and on. You're handing people power they shouldn't have. And the only way to take it away from them is saying you, you, don't, you, you don't deserve to have this power. Uh, you're, you're abusing it and it's dangerous. We want it back. Mm, absolutely. Just, uh, you get rid of your cycle lanes, you can, actually, you can, you can certainly, by anger and, and refusal to carry on uh, 
carry on putting up with this, you can get rid of this too. Exactly right. Because they've done everything they said they wouldn't do. I mean, almost every single pledge that Boris Johnson has made, he has then broken. And it seems now that uh, from what we watched on Saturday, he's making sort of policy decisions and U-turns now, not every day, but sort of by the hour. Yes, well, I, I think I've taken the view for some time that whenever he says something isn't going to happen, I should immediately make motions uh, <laughs> for that to happen right. within a couple of days. It, it, you, you cannot rely on him at all. Mm. Uh, he's, everything he says is completely unreliable. So, yeah, and, it, and he, he has no basis on which to decide because ultimately he's a, show, he's a showman. He's a, com- he's, he's a comedian. Mm. Uh, and he doesn't actually have any core beliefs or understanding which would enable him to make rational decisions and stick to them. No. But also, we now learn, and David Rose, another a colleague of yours at the Mail, uh, has put out um, a tweet today with uh, the documentation, with the uh, the meeting, the minutes of the meeting of this nerve tag mob and what they actually told the Prime Minister. And there is no evidence whatsoever uh, that this new variant is any more infectious than the old one. Um, no, nothing really- nothing at all to suggest that that's even true. Uh, all it is is a, is a, is a, is a future modelling scenario. I, again, it's it, it's they couldn't use the, the forty thousand people will die and huge snakes millions of miles long will be infesting the country line they used last time. Mm. So they had to come up with another scare that looked different. But I, as soon as I heard it, I was sure that within a couple of days it would dissolve under pressure because there's nothing really there. Uh, that we, we're going through uh, the normal crisis of winter respiratory diseases with a national health service with inadequate uh, with inadequate intensive care beds because we've closed so many of them. That's all that's happening. Mm. It's bad if you're in the middle of it. It's bad if you're, if you're ill from it and dying from it. But it is not an excuse for destroying the country. Yet again, as I say, because it, is, it, it sums it up so perfectly. The Prime Minister is like a man who discovers a wasp nest in his house and burns it down to get rid of the wasp. He has no sense of proportion and nor is the government he controls. And why is it that so many people in my trade so many people who are supposed to be sceptical, questioning, who surely went into the trade of journalism to, to, to do that and to, to, to question the abuse of power. Why is it that they're so supine and naive and accepting of all this drivel? Isn't it time they remembered what it was they set out to do when they first took out the notebook and the pencil and started reporting? Because it, it really seems to me, if not, need to be replaced by people who are interested in journalism. And who are interested in finding out what is actually guiding all of this nonsense, because the ridiculous uh, lengths that uh, some of the journalists went to before this weekend, when he last said that Christmas was not going to be cancelled and Christmas was going to be remaining the same because it would be inhuman to cancel it. He was actually asked by somebody from Sky TV who it will be responsible uh, if somebody gives COVID to one of their elderly relatives over Christmas. I mean, what a stupid question. Well, of course, it's a stupid question, but the whole thing is based on a stupid misunderstanding of the, of the limited power of humanity to control events, uh, as, as Dr. Lee says in, in, the, in the Daily Mail this morning. Uh, the vi- viruses are windborne. The idea that by the measures of this kind you can prevent them is similar, as I, as I said last week, to trying to control the seasons. Uh, and the, the, the parallel I came with, the, the running around sending the army out to stick the leaves back on the trees right. to say that autumn isn't taking place, it, it, it is ludicrous, but it is actually the truth. This is what they're trying to do by by, by measures which have no effect on the on, on the actual on the actual virus at all, which have an enormous effect on those who have to have to knuckle down to them. Uh, they're trying to prevent something they have no control over, which at the beginning they admitted they couldn't control, mm. uh, but they've become drunk with power, 
uh, and uh, and also totally isolating. Right? Again and again, we you know my newspaper, the Mail on Sunday, calls for the the, the advice given to the Prime Minister to be broadened so that he, he's actually listened regularly to people such as Sinatra Gupta, a, a, an epidemiologist uh, who doesn't hold the same views uh, as, as the Imperial College mob. But this never happens. The, the number of people on the SAGE committee who know anything about actual hard science is not very great. No. And we're, not, we're not here dealing with a huge army of incredibly expert experts. We're dealing with people whose record in prediction is extraordinarily bad and gets worse all the time. And why are they not replaced or at mm. least diluted with people with better records? It yeah. doesn't happen because they don't want to know. They're now so completely trapped in this world of prejudice that they, they are, they're angry if anybody comes into it and says, actually, you've got this wrong. Right. So they listen, they stick their fingers in their ears and they carry on. And they will do so until they question. So Parliament cannot obviously be recalled over Christmas itself, but it must be recalled immediately afterwards. And, and people must express, as I frequently say, their anger to their members of parliament. They're not being represented. We know there's now a substantial minority of MPs who have begun to listen. That substantial minority must become a majority of both parties, of people saying, we cannot go on like this any longer, or we will have no country, we will have no economy, we will have no national health service, we will have, no, we, we will have nothing to look forward to mm. except decades and decades of this. MPs are the only people who can lawfully do anything about this. Uh, people say, well, all you can suggest is writing to my MP. Well, what, what do you want to do? Go out in the streets and riot? Mm. What good do you think that will do? Well, that won't do well, any this good is at a, all. This is a clear method which everybody has the power to pursue. And it just it just means, needs persistence and numbers and recruiting more people. Change every mind you can. Argue politely, but argue firmly. Change every mind you can. Spread the idea, because it has spread since March quite a bit, that this is all folly. Yes. Uh, and, and, and then Parliament does something about it. Wouldn't it also be useful, Peter, if the opposition uh, could actually uh, start banging a few drums and making some noise about recalling Parliament, which Keir Starmer isn't doing. Instead, he's launching his new uh, sort of vision for the future about devolution today. He's not even well, considering having a go at the Prime Minister and saying, why the hell are you not inviting us back into Parliament? Well, what Keir Starmer is plainly doing is, is trying to set up the basis of a future coalition with the SNP. Uh, and and his, his main concern is entirely uh, getting into office rather mm. than the, the state of the country, uh, which is in its way despicable. When I belonged to the Labour Party, which I did, my view was that the whole purpose of it was to represent the people of this country who didn't have all the advantages. And these are the people who are suffering most from yeah. this. Where is the Labour Party in representing its own, the, the people who actually have to work hard for a living, who have no, have no shares, mm. who have no portfolios, who don't have big fat houses, who just live from, from day to day on what they can get working hard? What, why is the Labour Party not representing them? And if it won't, isn't it time somebody else did? Mm. And isn't it time those people in the Labour Party who still believe in that actually rebelled against this uh, a, a leader who seems to be determined to impoverish his own voters? Well, it's absolutely extraordinary stuff, isn't it? And yet, um, they will say, of course, that, uh, and they may have taken it a step too far now, looking at the rest of the world and how the rest of the world is now banning anyone from Britain going to their countries. Um, they will always say, well, everybody's doing it. You know, go to Germany. You can't have a Christmas there. You go to France. You have to get a letter to go outside. Go to Italy, uh, where you're not allowed to meet anybody out uh, outside of your own family bubble and i mean they're not wrong about that but i mean everybody's doing it well it's true but i when i was growing up people in this country were proud of the fact that we were different in so many ways they were proud of the, the, of the freedoms 
mm. deriving from Magna Carta. They were proud of jury trial and the presumption of innocence. They were proud of the fact we had an unarmed police force which 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 policed by consent. And no one said, oh, well, everybody else does it a different way. Everywhere else they can fling you into jail uh, without any evidence. So let's do that. If everybody else is doing something stupid, why follow them? The crowds are not necessarily right. In fact, in general, uh, I think history shows that uh, majorities are pretty certainly wrong over the long term. And also beliefs are wrong, too. Medical beliefs are wrong. Uh, for some time, doctors believed that barbiturates were a useful medicine. Uh, they believed that lobotomies were, were a good way of treating people who were mentally ill. In fact, the man who invented lobotomies got a Nobel Prize. There are, uh, it, when when I had was having, when my first child was born, the advice we were given by doctors was to put the baby on her front uh, because yes. it was safer. Uh, and it, only what two or three years later did they say, "Oh, sorry, you got that wrong. It's incredibly dangerous to right. put your baby on her front. You should have put her on her back." Right. Exactly. They were the ones with the advice, leaving aside the doctor who, who, who nearly condemned me to an extremely painful and unpleasant operation by prescribing me the wrong antibiotic. These people are often wrong. Consensuses mm. are often wrong. Uh, and, and the whole the whole business of, 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 of people following the consensus, of, of, of joining conventional wisdom and, and, and turning that into a prejudice, has closed so many minds. Where are the, 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 the proper academics? There are so few of them standing up against this. Why are they all so gutless? They mm. must know in their hearts that this is baloney. So why won't they say so? It, the longer it goes on, the more we will be reduced at the end of it, not to a, to a third world state, impoverished, unfree, and increasingly miserable. And it, it really is time to get angry about it, not just about the bike lanes, get angry about the, the, the destruction of your country. Yeah. But I mean, this is the problem that we currently have because we have this kind of, you know, government by almost civil service convention. It's no longer. Um, I mean, David Mellor was on The Breakfast Show this morning and I have no great uh, admiration for David Mellor. But when you listen to somebody like him talking about the paucity of talent in this particular cabinet, you can't help but agree with him. And when you think back to previous governments, you know, they did have, you know, some genuinely independently, you know, in incredibly brilliant people. Yeah, I, it, it's odd, isn't it? I mean, I, David Miller is is, is, is is not as is not as bad as he looks, as they say. I, 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 I always thought that the, there was there was some intelligence there, but uh, the, the the fact is that you a, a government so bad that it makes you nostalgic for the Thatcher and Maybe. I know, I know, must be bad. Uh, and uh, you know, this this Hancockio character who, who announces on Sunday uh, that we, what is it? We've lost control of the virus. You never had control no. of the virus mate. It, no. it, 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 you had nothing to lose in that. But this, this extraordinarily useless person uh, stays in position because he's part of, uh, of, of uh, our Etonian Napoleon Johnson's uh, inner core. And, and the, the basis of Johnson's politics is, is the Corleone family. If someone is loyal to Johnson, then however awful they are, they continue in office mm. because they've been loyal. That's all there is to it. You know, it it's, 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 a, it's, it's a mixture of Napoleon and Corleone at this government. Yeah, it is. And it's none of the good things from either, unfortunately. Because, no, you know, no. I well, mean, there are some admirable things that you could point well, to. Well, don't just, uh, just, just fine, because this is our last uh, encounter yeah. uh, for this year, because I'm off uh, after tomorrow to try and have some form of Christmas. Um, I just want to say thank you for all of the conversations we've had. Um, as I say, as you say, uh, we, we didn't start off agreeing, uh, but we have ended up agreeing on almost everything. Um, and I'm just very glad that we met on uh, on Twitter many years after we used to work in the same office. Well, quite. And may I say in return, thank you for, for all these conversations and also for the extraordinary demonstration that you gave at the beginning of this, that it is possible 
and indeed necessary for intelligent people to change their minds when the facts change, yeah. and, and, and have the guts to do so. And if other people would have the same guts um, that you had, uh, this country would be a whole lot better off. Uh, I can't wish you a happy Christmas, but I can wish you an angrily happy Christmas, if that will do. <laughs> that will uh, definitely do. I hope to see you in the, in, in, in the coming year. Yes, and as many and as many people have said to us, you know, please keep going, because I think we'll get there in the end. I know it's a long and very dangerous, difficult, arduous road, but we'll have to get there in the end. Well, one has to hope so. I'll tell you what, there is only one thing to do when you're up against stupidity of this nature, and that is to keep fighting it with every bit of nerve and gristle you have. Whatever your right hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And this is this is what we should be doing, fighting it. So it's the most important thing either of us, I suspect, have ever done yeah, in our life. I think you're absolutely right. Peter Hitchens, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we'll see you next year. Peter Hitchens, columnist of the Mail on Sunday, um, a man who has been absolutely um, steadfast in his belief that this government is barking up the wrong tree, driving down the wrong road, taking us over a cliff edge, all of those anal analogies which are c couldn't be more correct now uh, than they ever were. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. By the way, if you haven't actually seen this yet, Plank of the Year 2020 was sent. I should really go and get the little note that came with it so I can say thank you properly to the person who gave it to me. Um, but it says Plank of the Year 2020, Sadiq Khan. Now, uh, I cannot reveal to you who the Plank of the Year actually is uh, because it hasn't been quite fully and utterly decided yet. But there is one man who I can assure you may appear uh, on the list. Let's have a listen to this. Um, you've said that you're against a referendum on independence. Would you be open to a referendum on more powers, that is, whatever um, package of reforms Labour comes up with for the Scottish Parliament. And secondly, just on the Scottish Labour leader, Richard Leonard, what would you say has been his main achievement as leader over the last three years? Um, on um, devolution, I, I absolutely believe there should be more um, devolution. And that's why the Commission we're setting up will not rule anything out. I don't think that um, a referendum should be the next step. Um, I don't think a, a referendum is necessary um, on that, but I absolutely believe um, in the principle... Sorry, of, uh, uh, yeah, that's enough of that. It's sending me to sleep. Yeah, it's Sir Keir Starmer, right, answering questions about this uh, referendum uh, commission that he's setting up. I mean, what on earth is he thinking? What's he doing? Why is he having a, a, a conversation and a press conference and a speech about his new ideas to do with devolution? What on earth is he thinking? I mean, here's the list of countries we're currently banned from going to, right? The Netherlands, Belgium, Italy, Austria, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Bulgaria, France, Sweden, Turkey, Canada, Saudi Arabia, Israel, El Salvador, Ireland, the Czech Republic, Colombia, Morocco, Chile, Finland and Argentina. <laughs> well done, Sakir. Top man, you carry on chatting about devolution that nobody cares about right now. Uh, at this particular juncture. Let's talk, though, to Lisa Francesca Nando, because, of course, uh, she's going to have some information for us. I've got the piece of paper, by the way. It's from Paul Mitchell, this Plank uh, Award. Very, very good indeed. Well done, Paul. Thank you very much indeed for sending in. Lisa, very good morning to you. Good morning. Now, I mean, for all of the um, madness of this year, I suppose ending it this way is about right, really, isn't it? Basically um, sort of blockaded from travelling anywhere, thanks to the bumbling Prime Minister Boris Johnson. 
I was going to say at least we actually know that we just can't go anywhere, but that's not true. There are some places really? that you can go to, and there's some people that will still want to travel. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's fun and games and chaos, really. I just spoke to a travel agent about half an hour ago, and she is absolutely devastated. She said she's worked about a million hours this year and got paid a thousand pounds and refunded over two million pounds worth of travel wow. because people are usually and hopefully entitled to refunds. Yes. And, you know, people still have to work to sort this out. So, mm. yeah, it's it's a nightmare and also for anyone who wanted to did still want to go somewhere for uh christmas you know that that's i guess that's kind of not happening i mean we saw everybody rushing off to train stations on saturday night after the press conference but i mean was there a similar kind of exodus from airports and things like that um no not as far as i know the airports have been very quiet one happened a couple of weeks ago just after the first lockdown but mm. people, i think everyone's got the message i mean even me i'm not going anywhere this year you know and people are now turning us away we heard a couple of weeks ago about how we will be turned away from europe anyway on the 1st of january if nothing changes you have to hope that the government are sitting in rooms as we speak literally trying to work out some sort of way we can get oh uh, i thought i europe. thought the eu had said that that wasn't going to be a problem no matter whether it's still, there was a deal. the jury is still out nobody knows and it's it's going to be down to individual countries as well as we've seen now mm. you know we we, we thought that Borders was borders were actually something that we couldn't control in Europe, and actually, as it turns out, as people can control their own borders in exceptional circumstances, yeah. and this is, you know, we have now hit this, like you said, 2020. It started out a bit weird. It's now just hit full exceptional circumstance in the world of travel. Yes, well, exactly right. So, I mean, one of the things I, th I think for a lot of people, I suppose, who might be worried um, because they've more or less given up on going anywhere or going or going to see anybody or getting anyone to come to see them, is there are some people who already left, like towards the end of last week, to go away, um, to go home to see relatives, to go and see family and that kind of thing. If the, the, the air corridor from those countries is no longer there and they have to stay in that country. Um, what does that mean for them in terms of their, you know, situation vis-a-vis vis work or vis-a-vis, because -vis, uh, it's obviously outside of their control? Yeah, it all depends what country, because some uh, restrictions, like France said it was 48, only going to be 48 hours. And actually, there's reports about an hour ago that the lorries have started to move across the border. What that means for passengers and normal, normal holidaymakers, if they exist at the moment, I don't really yeah. know. I mean, um, I'm last... what I'm told about the French situation is that there was never any problem with lorries coming from France to Britain. But obviously, if there's no Eurotunnel and there's no ferry, I'm not quite sure how they come. <laughs> And I think it's a similar situation for anyone wanting to, uh, who's stuck on holiday, who gets stuck somewhere. Um, there's no problem with them coming back into the country, but it's if the planes are flying. And, you know, logistically, if the planes have stopped flying to other countries, yeah. then there's no plane to bring them back. But right. this did happen um, uh, when we did lockdown the first time and there were repatriation flights, but they're not free. You'll probably have to pay for them. So it all depends on your travel insurance and, you know, which is sort of all up in the air at the mm. moment, ironically. Um, so, yeah, it's a very difficult situation for anyone who's uh, who's traveling and, and going to be stuck out in a country you've got to hope that they'll get back I, i've had people from spain telling me they're just going to drive home right if they need to yes and i suppose if you um have a car there though um that's fine but if you don't it's not very easy to to drive a rental car back from spain because most of them... and, and incredibly expensive as yeah. well you know I, know I know people that drove back from various european destinations last time hired cars and that sort of thing and just really expensive and very confusing but i think you know most people 
and are not traveling now but you know the, i think the island one is a really important one it's only closed for 48 hours at the moment but we have a common travel area and this is really unprecedented to to close it so right. you know maybe this is a it, it's going to give us a glimpse of what brexit might do to, to that border uh, it's only going to be closed for 48 hours but because we've got so many people who might not want to be going on holiday to uh, ireland at the moment but who actually want to go home to yeah. ireland yeah. um so luckily that one's only 48 hours but they have said that that might be reviewed as well yeah. i think everything is just so changeable at the moment there are a few destinations if you do want to go on holiday um at, that you can can do at the moment that you can go to several caribbean islands and you can also go to the maldives so right. if i had the money i would totally be on the plane <laughs> to the maldives but right what now. about the uh, but, but yet again more confusion really because the government supposedly said did they not on saturday that you should not travel abroad yeah, well, they've said they've advised you not to travel. It's all in the wording, yeah. Mike, and how you want to interpret it. If you're in a tier four area, you're not allowed to travel. Um, although, are they going to check your address at the airport? I don't know. You know how they will police that. Well, I know people if, that have flown out in the last day or two, and they weren't asked anything like that. Well, exactly. No, and I'm I'm, I'm the same. And uh, it, it's probably down to your own moral judgment, isn't it? And a lot of people, the um, the virus is something that a lot of people do have very strong moral feelings about as well, which is great. I think that's how things manage to stay under control. If they, if you can but call them but under control. Yeah, but isn't the whole point of this though that, that you know that testing was supposed to be the answer, right? So if you test yourself and you have a negative test, you sh should be able to travel, shouldn't you? Yeah, you should do. And we're not testing nearly as much as we should do in terms of traveling to airports. I was uh, reading the um, the mayor of New York City was saying that they were debating about banning uh, people into in, from the UK into the uh, there at the moment. And he was saying, why are you not testing every single person that goes out? Right. And we're not testing people. We're not testing. It depends on the country you're going to, you know, and what their rules are. Like yeah. Spain, for example, you have to have a negative test before you go in there. Right. So it's I, I just I don't know. It's it's all absolute. It's all over the place, isn't it? I mean, I was out at the airport on Thursday waiting for my daughter in International Arrivals Terminal 2. And, people, you know, I, I, as I was watching people coming off planes, I was thinking, where are they all going? And who are they staying with? And have they been tested before they got on a plane? And the answer to all of those questions is unknown. Absolutely. And also the quarantine, that's another thing. You know, it's now, you're now available to, um, you're now allowed to get out of quarantine after five days. Right. Um, well, that's if you can find a test that you can exactly, do. Exactly. That's what, just was about what I was, uh, was going to say. Apparently the tests are, are difficult to find. Sometimes they're taking an extra two or three days. So by that point, you've spent eight days in quarantine. You might as well spend the rest and save yourself the 130 quid or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very complicated. And all as I can hope for, Mike, and I don't know about you, is I just feel like I'm looking forward to spring now. I know a lot of people in the travel industry and people who want to go on holiday are thinking, well, that's probably half term out and probably skiing out. Those poor ski resorts are, yeah. are going to be really struggling. But thinking that maybe Easter, you know, with more people vaccinated, better weather, more people going outside and not sort of locked in their homes and yeah. thinking that that might be the next time that we can a have a holiday but b go abroad and see our friends and family and have our right. friends and family come back here too well exactly i mean because i've as i said to you many times got a, a need to go and see my mother who's over in america but i'm not sure when i can do that and i certainly wouldn't make any holiday plans i don't think for half term or even easter at this point because i mean as far as we know the kids um are not going back to school for an extra week it would appear uh, that might turn into an extra month might it 
Yeah, we, I mean, we haven't, that's secondary schools. We haven't heard anything about, uh, it's not my specialist area, but as a mum of primary school children, yeah. we haven't heard anything about things being delayed in, in primary schools. So I think they'll be... Well, I think they, they worry less that. about primary schools because the younger kids are less likely to be getting it and spreading it, whereas the secondary yeah, school it's, kids Yeah, it's kind interesting, of the whole children thing and who's likely to get it and spread it, isn't it? I mean, we've been really lucky in my school. There's only been one class right. off, and it's been off twice, which must be awful for mm. those parents. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just worried for industry really and the travel industry i know we've had reports of british airways and um virgin saying that they're not refunding people when legally they should be allowed to so the authorities are going to the regulatory authorities are going to come down hard on them but they're saying that they will only give you a, a voucher or let you change your flight free of charge so there's so many things to worry about but i am hopefully you know looking Hopefully things are going to get better mm. by the by the Easter. Who knows? Well, you'd like to think so. Well, meanwhile, have as nice a Christmas as you can have, Lisa, and uh, we shall no doubt talk in the new year. I'm in tier two, Mike. I'm in tier two here in Brighton. Oh, of course so you I'm are. Going yeah. to the pub. I just thought I'd rub that in. Thank you very much indeed for pointing that out. Now that now you've now become the hate figure of the Independent Republic of Mike <laughs> Graves' audience entirely. But listen, well done. Thanks for everything you've done this year, uh, and we'll see you soon. Lisa Francesca Nand there reporting in from tier two. Not everybody is having a nightmare, you see. Not everyone is. It just seems like that. It just feels like that, doesn't it? Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.